always found that the best way to start off a worship service is to drop your guitar on the floor really hard. <laughs> it didn't quite recover the whole time, but hey, man, I'm so thankful for our team and you know all that we get the opportunity to do here. And you know, and I pray that you have your Bibles this morning. And if you don't, we have a table on the in the back with with Bibles and. Um, you know, I just I, I, this week we're going to take a break from our series where we were talking about spiritual disciplines, and we're going to take the next two weeks and, uh, and and kind of begin this conversation that will kind of carry us over into a Bible study that we're going to start in the next few weeks um, about families that win. You know what that looks like where that begins and I'm not talking about worldly prosperity I'm not talking about money and fame and all that but I'm talking about families who are striving towards Jesus with the intent of leading their families and the people in their circle of influence around them towards the hope that we have in the gospel and so these next two weeks are kind of lay some groundwork for what that looks like moving forward um, but this week as we celebrate Mother's Day we're gonna lean into some text specifically for our moms and, uh, and, and, but I hope not just getting application for our moms, but also for us as individuals, um, as we live this Christian life, that we would hear the calling that we have within this text for each and every one of us. And so I want to read in Ephesians chapter 5 is where I'm going to start at. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. So if you could turn there with me, uh, you can use your device. Or if you have a Bible, like I said, if you need a Bible, it's on the back. I really want you to see these words. I won't have them on the screen this morning. but Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Let's read that together. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Church, let us pray together. Father God, I just thank you for today. God, I thank you for the people in our lives that influence us. God, I thank you for the people in our lives, in my life, and in the lives of those around us, Lord. Those in the lives of my kids, those in the life of my wife. God, those in the lives of all of us who have leaned in to be carriers of your character, to show us who you are, to love us towards the cross, towards the gospel of Jesus, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it's not acceptable by the culture around us, Father God. Lord, I pray this morning that we would just hear your text. God, we would hear the words that you've spoken, not my own, God, and allow it to lead, guide, and direct us into the areas of our life where we need to be challenged. Lord, where we need to be open and ready to receive what it is that you have for us. Father God, we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So like I said, this morning we get the opportunity to celebrate Happy Mother's Day. And, you know, uh, the, the thing I was thinking about this week is that mothers are called on constantly, but we only really take time to celebrate them once a year, right? Uh, my wife laughs. We, we laugh all the time. Uh, because, and I don't know, maybe your kids are different for you guys that have kids, but for my kids, the immediate calling out that they have is always mom. But it's never mom once, it's mom, 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 mom. And then she finally looks at me and is like, Dude, why are they not saying your name? 
You know, and I, I tell her all the time, I was like, well, it's probably because I've set the bar really low that they know they're not going to get whatever they need from me. So they, they anticipate that they'll get it from you or that you'll know where it's at more likely than I will. Because typically if they're like, Dad, where's this? I'm, I don't know. Go look for it. But, you know, what we get to celebrate this morning is that idea of mothers. And, 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 you know, a lot of times when we come to Mother's Day, we immediately feel like maybe if we're not mothers or if we've been mothers or not able to become a mother... That, that there's no place for us in that celebration. But what I, I love about the Bible and what we'll talk about a little bit this morning is that being a mother is much different than just being a physical mother to someone. That there is a capacity at which we can be motherly or you can be motherly to people around you. That even if they haven't physically come from you, that they can be part of your influence, part of who you are, and part of what you do. And, and so this morning, if I had to subtitle what we're talking about this morning, and I hope that we can find application even, even not just for our mothers, but for all of us. Uh, but the subtitle this morning would be this, that we would be carriers of His character. Carrier, carriers of his character, because I believe that as mothers, that is something that they do really well. I know that even uh, in the beginning of our marriage, when I was so far from God, that my wife, thank God for her, was so much better of a carrier, carrier of God's character than I was. I thank God that he saved me and, 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 and redeemed me and allowed me to become a part of that process also. But what God has brought us into and what this text in Ephesians tells us, you know, the book of Ephesians, as we went through a couple, uh, a couple years ago, we went through the book of Ephesians and we saw that this book of Ephesians is very just detailed and specific about doctrine and who God is and what God has done and how much He loves us and how much He's done on, on behalf of us and what He calls us into doing. And then so what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, is he's saying in light of all those things, in light of who God is, in light of what God's done, in light of what God has given up for us. Therefore, remember, anytime you see the word therefore, you look back to see what it's there for. What we do in response to that is, he says, be imitators. Be imitators of God. As beloved children, because we are His, because He is that paternal, that maternal presence over us, that He calls us to be imitators of Him and be, do that in walking in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself for us. And so for us today, you know, our text points us to imitation and participation and the mission and vision of Christ in our lives being carriers of His character to the people around us, within the context of our family, to our kids, to our spouses, to all the places of influence around us. And even for, like we said earlier, not being limited only to those who have birthed children, but any woman, uh, as we celebrate Mother's Day, who can be motherly to people of influence around who, who they can influence around them. Because the idea of being a mother is much more than just giving birth. Being a mother is a, is a way of living. It's a way of acting. I mean, the Bible even uses maternal language to describe how God deals with His people. Remember, God is not a, He has no gender. God is not a, a being like we are. We use genders to describe God because it's an anthropomorphic way to help us understand what God does. But God has the best of paternal and maternal characters about Him. So God is described as fathering, but God is also described even here. We see with these elements of motherly uh, uh, 
motherly descriptions about his character. Isaiah 66, 13, he says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. So uh, being motherly is, is about comfort, about giving comfort, providing comfort in that love and protection that comes with that. Isaiah 49, 15, it says, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. We're talking about God. 1 Thessalonians 2.7, he says, But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her children. So being motherly is being gentle, taking care. Proverbs 1.8, Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching. That, that the motherly attribute is a, as a teacher. And then in Ephesians 6.2, Honor your father and mother. Both the paternal and maternal are deserving of honor. These characteristics, these, these things that come with it. And so what... Paul is driving us towards in Ephesians 5 is he's driving us towards this idea of carrying God's character and imitating Him, imitating what He's done, imitating all the greatest attributes that He presents through His people and carrying that into the life of the people around us. You know, and, and all of us know some of those people. All of us know some of those people that we've interacted with or known that have carried that. And so what God is inviting us into, and I believe for us, I pray that we can see our invitation to participate in this also. So for us, and what for us to understand is that God exemplifies the best qualities of paternal and maternal care and leadership. And that God has created us, church, God has created us to actively participate in that action, to be carriers of his character. And so there are two things that I want us to see this morning that I believe God calls us to in being carriers of his character. The first thing is this, that he calls common people to be carriers. And I want to shift over to another passage of Scripture in Romans 16, 13. Romans 16, 13. It's the last chapter of the book of Romans. You can turn there with me. We can read that together. Romans 16, 13. As we see that God, that He calls common people to be carriers of His character. <clears throat> Romans 16, 13, it says this. He says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. And I know maybe you've read through that, maybe you haven't read through that. You know, a lot of times at the end of Paul's letters, he goes through these greetings. He kind of wraps up with these greetings, acknowledging some people. But what this whole section of Romans 16 is about is that it is about Paul acknowledging common people. Most of these people, this is the only instance at which they're mentioned. But what he's doing here, when he's laid out in the book of Romans, is this very detailed look at doctrine and theology and who God is and what God has done, just like a lot of times how we, we call Ephesians kind of a commentary on Romans. But Romans is so much more detailed, so much more in-depth. And so he's done all of this stuff. And what he does, because Paul loved Rome, he, he, he strove so much in his ministry to get to Rome, and he didn't get there until later, but he loved Rome. He constantly talked about Rome and getting there because he knew that if those people would experience God in His presence, that they could be magnificent carriers of His character into the world because it was such a, a, a hub for the rest of the world coming through. And so Paul loved Rome. And so what Paul takes the, the very end of this letter, this would have been the last thing that would have been read out loud to these people in this area of Rome, is he begins to lay out these people who have just done awesome things for the church there in Rome. 
He talks about them. And these people, they're, they're not mentioned anywhere else. They're, they're, they're regular people doing regular, just the work that God has empowered them to do. He calls them. He calls them apostles and, and, and he calls them disciples and workers in the Lord. And all that they have worked hard in the Lord. These regular people, common people. These aren't elitists. These aren't people... These aren't people who carry any kind of elite ability. Uh, there's no prerequisite other than their faith in God and their passion to do His will. God has called common people to be carriers of His character. Common, everyday people. I feel like a lot of times we stiff arm our calling within the context of our fa- Even in the context of our families, we stiff arm this calling that God has called us to be carriers of His character and to be pursuing Him because we just don't believe that that's just not for me. I'm not that person. I don't talk like that. I don't act like that. I don't have that desire. So we stiff arm it. But man, God, and Paul, what Paul is telling us here is the most common of people have a place in carrying the character of God into the context of the places of influence that they have. The only prerequisite that God calls us to is a willingness to care for people other than ourselves. That's all it takes. And for a lot of us, maybe that is difficult. You know, it's very difficult for us to get outside of ourselves, but that's really what the gospel is about. That's what true Christian character is all about. That's what God's character is all about. Jesus said, he said, I came to, to be a servant, not to be served. He came to lay himself down for our good. You know, and I love that even in this text that Paul specifically mentions someone living out this mission even specifically, missional mothering. He talks about someone who wasn't his mother, but that was a mother to him. Remember, we, we can be, you can be a mother, ladies, you can be a mother to someone and they not be birthed from you. And Paul talks about how influential that is in his life, that there was someone who was motherly to him. And so what we see, this mother, this unnamed lady that we see here, the mother of Rufus, as we know her here, is that she was being motherly towards Paul in a very influential point in his ministry to a place where he would mention her among these common people who were doing work in the church of Rome. Because what he's showing us here. For tough, resilient Paul. I mean, Paul's as tough as they come. I mean, shipwrecked, snake-bitten, beaten, stoned, imprisoned. I mean, he's been through more than any of us, most of us will ever see in our entire life. And so I imagine he's a tough guy. But within that, he acknowledges the context at which he enjoyed and reaped the benefits of motherly mission. That someone took the time to bring comfort to him. That someone took the time to show compassion to him. That someone showed the time to be gentle with him. That someone showed the time to even be a teacher to him. And these motherly qualities that can be shown by these women in his life. And so not only, church, not only does God call common people to be carriers of his character, but within that context, he calls carriers to be calculated. He calls us to be calculated, to be intentional, to have a plan in the way that we, an active participation, that it's not something that happens passively. Us, Jake, living out the character of God in my life is not a passive thing, which meaning it doesn't doesn't happen without my active participation. Because my natural state is very not the character of God. My natural state, the flesh within me, is very selfish. 
The flesh within me is very self-contained. The, 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 the flesh within me, my natural passive state, is not going to be the character of God, neither is yours. Our natural passive state is not going to be concerned for other people. Our natural passive state isn't going to be drawn to God's Word. Our natural passive state is not going to be in the busyness of our day to stop and to pray or to do good for someone. That is not going to be our natural state. The only way that that happens is through our active participation in His character and what we present to the people around us. And so for us, maybe we think to ourselves, well, there's no way I could do that as a Christian. But God has given us confidence in how we carry His character. In calculating and being intentional on how we do that, He has given us confidence. And it's the idea of this. And He says it in Romans 16, 13, when He talks about Rufus and his mother. He says this, Rufus, chosen in the Lord and also his mother. I don't think this is an idea that we think about, this idea that as Christians that we're chosen. A lot of times we, we get very nervous when we talk about that. But I believe what we miss out on when we acknowledge, especially when the biblical context points us to this idea, that when we have put our faith in Jesus, there's a confidence that we can know that through our choosing, He has chosen us first. That there's this confidence that carries us through. There's this confidence that says that for me as a Christian, I have no excuse to buck against the calling that God has for me because of my weakness, because of my failures, because of my inabilities. Because if I have put my faith in Jesus, that tells me that if I have chosen Him, that He had first chose me. And that that's a confidence that we can carry. That God chose me not because of my ability, but because of His ability to save and to equip and to guide us into the space that we have. You know, this is an indicator. When he says, when, when Paul talks about them being chosen in the Lord, first off, he's talking about their extra, extraordinary uh, status as believers, but also he's talking about their identification in Christ. And to live chosen leads us to live confidently. When we can live chosen, we can live confidently because we're not living on our own choosing. We're not living on our own decisions and desires. We're living on the decisions and the desires of God and what He has instilled in us and what He is leading us towards. He has put you in the context of where you are for a purpose. Within your marriage, within your family, within your workplace, within your school. He has placed you within that context. He has chosen you to be in that place to do a work. And not by your own standards or your own ability, but by His ability and by His standards. And just resting in the confidence of Him. It doesn't mean we always have the answers. It doesn't mean that we always have uh, do it perfectly. Uh, sometimes you drop guitars. Sometimes you, uh, you forget to turn on your mic. Sometimes you do these things, right? Sometimes you make mistakes, but we carry on. We push forward. John 15, 16, Jesus said this. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. He says, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Because he's chosen us. In our choosing, it acknowledges that he has chosen us. Ephesians 1, 4 says, even as He chose us in Him, talking about in Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Our holiness and blamelessness is not because of our ability. It is not because of our talents. It is not because of our strengths. It is because of God's. We are blameless and righteous and holy because of Him. Do we pursue holiness? Yes. Do we pursue righteousness? Yes. 
But is the definition of our holiness and righteousness our own? Absolutely not. It is in Jesus. When we have put our faith in Jesus, we are blanketed, we are covered with His righteousness. And that this is the confidence that carries us. And that this is the confidence that Paul is acknowledging has carried this unnamed mother towards him. To be an influence, to be an imitator of Christ to Paul that shaped his story in a way that he would take this time. I mean, anytime they wrote something to a church, I mean, this was a lot of care. This was a lot of concern. This was, I mean, you're, you're communicating. You know, this was not the way keyboard warriors fight behind social media and, and text and different things now when we're mad about stuff and we just slap things up there. No, they, they were intentional. Paul was intentional about every word that he wrote to this church because he knew that words matter. He knew that everything that we say matters. And so when Paul writes this about this woman, about Rufus's mother, he's celebrating the beauty of what she has done in his life and what she has meant to him. And that for us as people, we can be carriers of God's character and be a part of a larger story than ourselves. How amazing is it that Paul would write the majority of the New Testament and that for this woman, I mean, she would have never have known this, but for this woman, she's a part of a bigger story. She's a part of the life of the greatest missionary who's ever lived. And all she did is that she showed motherly compassion and gentleness and care and protection towards Paul in a moment in his life when he obviously needed it. We can be a part of something bigger than ourselves when we begin investing God's character and what he's done in us into people around us. The legacy that we live within the context of our families. You know, my, my family can tell you I'm not always the perfect dad. I'm not always even the perfect Christian. But I pray that the greatest thing that I instill in my children is the grace of God and his goodness and why it's worth hanging on to. It's worth pursuing. It's worth pointing other people to because it's the only thing that in the end will stand. That any money that I give them, any support, any, 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 any life that I create for them on this earth is meaningless in light of the gospel and in light of eternity and in light of what God wants to do in my life and in theirs. And we as people, each and every one of us in here this morning, from youngest to oldest, we have an opportunity to participate in carrying His character in that way. God just calls us to be calculated in how we do it. Be intentional. Make it a part of our life and our steps and how we move forward. And what's really cool about this is this is the, the beauty of, a, of, a, of discipleship. And what this is, uh, is, is such an unlikely relationship. Such an unlikely relationship. Because in Paul's previous life, this woman would have meant nothing to him. She would have been so, so subpar as far as just, I mean, in, in that culture, women were not looked at with very high, uh, high authority or high uh, regard. And so not only does he mention her, but he mentions several other women because the Christian gospel points us to all people and how all of us can be a part of carrying God's character. And these unlikely, unlikely relationships can still be a part of a bigger story where God's truths are shared and worked over. And so for us, as I end this morning, I, I want to lay out a few things for us. You know, I always like to kind of bring it to this place where we can be intentional and very practical. So how do we take calculated approaches to carrying his character? As mothers this morning, as we celebrate Mother's Day, and being mothers to our birth children, or being motherly to people that we haven't birthed? Or even for, for all of us this morning, men, 
men, women, children, teens. How do we take a calculated approach to carrying his character? I think there's four things that we can see this morning. I pray that we could hold on to. The first thing is this, is that we need to have a vision for our children. And if not for our children, then for the people in your circle of influence. You need to have a vision for your children and the people in your circle of influence. Have, have a vision. And vision is the idea of having goals, having expectations that keep us on track. And, and, and it is what we utilize to hold us accountable to our mission. So vision helps hold us accountable to our mission. If we have goals, if we have an idea that, you know, for, for, for a young family who's, uh, who's, who's just have, had children or having children, that you say, look, we're going to be intentional. We're going to have a vision for our children. Goal set to constantly expose them to the good Lord, to constantly expose them to the gospel, to constantly expose them to gospel fellowship in the context of a local church family. These ordained things that God has given us to enjoy and to experience in our life. You know, so this vision keeps us on track and accountable to our mission. And that spending time being intentional, allowing our vision to lead us rather than our feelings. Because if we have vision, our vision will lead us where our fa feelings fail us. I want to say that again. Our vision will lead us where our feelings failed us. Because I don't always feel like it. You know, for me this morning, I'll just be honest. There's some things that have gone on, and I'm trying to, you know, get some of this going and this and that, and then you drop your guitar, and you're like, yeah, let's just, let's just go home. <laughs> it's just time to be done. You know, so sometimes our feelings will fail us. They will not carry us beyond where we are. But our vision will carry us much further than that. For us as a church, I pray that we're always a people driven by our vision, not our feelings. You know, there were times early on we'd have 12 people in this building. If we don't have vision, we cannot feel like continuing to do it. But praise God, we carry on. When you have viruses and hurricanes and all these things going on, you cannot feel like doing a lot of things. But when we have a missional vision to expose people to the gospel, our families, our church families, the people in our circle of influence, at work, at school, wherever that is, our vision carries us. Our vision carries us further than our feelings will. The second thing is this. Not only do we have vision, but in taking calculated approaches, we offer our time. As individuals, we offer our time. You know, a recent, I read a recent study that said 73% of individuals between the ages of 12 and 22 said that the greatest time of their life was time that they spent together as a family. It wasn't in the presents that they were given. It wasn't in the vacations that they, uh, or the, the, the trips with other people that they went on, but it was the time that they spent together as a family. You know, hours of the day seem very inconsequential or unimportant to us for the most part, because we know that tomorrow more time comes. We know that there's always time. So, you know, when we contemplate the idea of giving time to our family, giving time to our spouses, giving time to people that we want to invest in, typically we say, well, well, I'll have time for that. I'll do that later. But the hours add up, you know, and how much time we spend on the things of no value rather than eternal value. You know, how, when, we, when we think about it, you know, because in, in even living in, a, in, a, in, in where we live and, you know, doing the things that we do, you know, a lot of us, 
you know, and, I, and I've lived this life where we're picking up extra shifts, you know, where we're doing extra things. Like, I, I remember picking up extra 12-hour shifts, picking up extra weekends, because, like, man, I just need to get as much money. I need to get all these things so that I can provide. Like, I'm thinking in my mind that provision is what I can give them, that I'm going to give them stuff, that I'm going to give them a home, that I'm going to give them vehicles, that I want to give them clothes that are nice. I want to give them all these things, so I'm going to work as much as I can. But man, what God has just had to shake me to the core about at times in my life is this, is that what my family needs from me is not my money. They don't need my things. They need me. They want me. Daddies, mamas, your families, they want you. Because that's what's going to carry us through. Not the extra shifts for the extra money, for the extra stuff. It's us. And you know, and I know that's hard. And sometimes there's seasons we go through where we're absent and things go on and that's understandable, but that our goal is to offer our time, give our time to each other, being present with each other. Because, and, and a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I found myself working because I felt like I did that better than I was a dad. I felt like I worked better in my job than I was a husband. And so, you know, a lot of times we, we work extra. We go or as a mom or a husband, whatever it may be. You work extra. You do extra because you're like, well, I'm just good at that. I'm just not good at this. But the thing that I've learned is this, that our kids don't need us to be perfect. They just need us to be present. We're not going to be perfect. My kids know I'm not perfect. I say it all the time, probably in the midst of my yelling. Like I'm not perfect. I'm trying. So not only do we offer our time, but that we can also offer our encouragement. You know, I think encouragement isn't something that comes natural out of our mouths. It's a lot easier to criticize. It's a lot easier to point out what's wrong. It's a lot easier to, to, to be very critical in a way. And I believe that encouragement doesn't always have to necessarily be, hey, you're doing a good job. But I think encouragement can also be, hey, let's be doing this instead. You know, when we're dealing with wrongs, when we're dealing with, with right and wrong and what's going on, you know, it's, it's a lot easier. It comes much more naturally to us to be very critical and to criticize and to break down where it takes much more of our effort. I've learned for me as a dad and for you as moms and people being motherly to other people around you that it's, it's a lot more effort to sit down in the midst of a struggle or in the midst of a situation that you're going through with your kids or your spouse and just be honest, and to communicate, and to talk. It's much easier to just press back, right? It's much easier to be critical. It's much easier to fight than it is to make up, right? It's way easier to fight. But when we offer our encouragement, we encourage towards godly things as Christians. We want to encourage away from sinful things. But what this requires is a particular presence and participation in the life and interests of the people we are influencing, our children, our spouses, our friends, the people around us. And so another way that this word is translated to when we think about the word encouragement, it's also translated as implore in different translations. And that word implore, I feel like, is a, is a good illustration to show us that, that it's not necessarily just like when we think of the word encouragement, we always think of just like, hey, good job. But encouragement or imploring someone could also be helping redirect them. 
You know, because a lot of times when we think about encouragement, we, we miss some of that. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Like, obviously, encourage, encourage, but another way that is translated is implore. So it may not be necessarily, hey, good job, but it may be, hey, let's do something different. That's more valuable. That's more important for you. Matthew 6.21, for where you're... Uh, I'm sorry, that's, that's moving forward. So, but when we think about encouragement... A lot of times, like I said, it's easier to criticize, it's easier to fight than it is to encourage or to redirect. And so, especially for us as parents, a lot of times we love, we really hold on to these verses where it talks about the rod, right? If you've grown up in a Christian home, you know what the rod is. That's the, you know, we, we love how that's, that, that, that's communicated. You know, in Proverbs 23, 13, that, that's where we see the striking with the rod. You'll keep them from hell, you know. So we're like, all right, let's go. It's time to do some striking. Like, we love that. It's, it's easy to spank, you know, right? It's easy to do that. But, you know, just here in the last couple years, as, as I've even thought through that process, you know, that that, that idea of rod is is really communicating and where it's used and where it can also be translated as this idea of a shepherd's staff. And so, yeah, the staff was used for physical activity. It was. Used to strike. Used to keep them in. Because when you think about it in a shepherd, you would have to strike them to keep them where they wouldn't want to go, and you'd hope that they would learn from that. But not only that, you know, where we see those verses in Proverbs where the rod is connected to discipline and striking and, you know, obviously some type of physical thing, but that word rod is also used in Psalm 23. And wh what are we talking about in Psalm 23? The Lord is what? He is my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me. He provides for me. So when, when we think about the rod, we can't just hold on to the, the, the angry discipline part of it. But there's another part of that that is as or more important where we are leading as a shepherd within the context of our families, as dads, as mothers, as grandparents, as people in, the, in, our, in, in, in our circles of influence. That in Psalm 23, it says the rod and the staff comfort. So when we offer encouragement, and for us as, you know, for, for men in our families to be leaders, to be, to be the fathers that we're called to be, he's called us to use that rod in a way, not just as physical discipline, as I do believe that it calls us to, but even more so in leading, in guiding, in showing, in comfort, in direction. That is what he's called us to in offering encouragement in this capacity. And so then the last thing this morning is this, that we would offer our heart. Offer your heart. And I know that sounds kind of vague and, and sounds kind of, uh, you know, kind of shallow, but, you know, we, when we think about the way the heart is given away in the Bible, you know, Matthew 6, 21 is, is one of those verses for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Our heart follows what is valuable to us. Our heart follows or is placed in places of value and importance to us. And so if we are obviously first giving our heart to God, but then in the context of our, for our mothers being motherly, for our fathers being fatherly, for our students being Christians and people of carrying God's character in the influential places around you, where our heart is shows what is valuable to us. 
to know if our hearts are at our jobs, then they're not with our families. If our hearts are to our stuff, then they're not to the people around us that we could influence. If our hearts are to ourselves, then we are showing that these other people around us that desperately need our influence are not of value. Our heart resides in the places of what we see and celebrate. And so for us, as we are calculating carrying God's character, that we would offer our heart to those people that we could be influential on, from our families, to our spouses, to our church, to our community, giving of ourselves in service and love and concern, giving the best parts of who we are. And so I want to finish with this. You know, there's more to this verse than we even see. And I think it's what really drives home all of this. You know, in Romans 16:13, we see Rufus chosen in the Lord and his mother. You know, this isn't the first time that this name Rufus is mentioned. You know, this name is also mentioned in the Gospels at a very particular point in a very particular part of the story. You know, in Luke chapter 23, verse 26, we see a man. And it says that as they led him away, they seized on this path Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And so what we see is in the Passion, as Jesus is moving towards the point at which he will be crucified, he's become too weak, he's become too broken to carry the cross, so they get this man, Simon of Cyrene, to come and to help Jesus carry the cross. They carry the cross for Jesus in his brokenness and his weakness. But in Mark chapter 15, verse 21, which we believe that Mark was written in Rome, Mark gives us a little bit more about this story. Mark says in chapter 15, verse 21, he says, And they compelled a passerby... Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry the cross. Commentators say that this is the same Rufus that we're talking about in Romans 16, 13. So what's amazing is in the Gospels, we see a man with no desire, he's just coming in from the countryside, being brought into an experience that would, I believe, drastically change his life. Simon of Cyrene would carry the cross with Jesus, would see this man, see what he would go through, see what he would do for people, see the things people would say about him, and even, I believe, see and hear the things that were proclaimed from the cross. And that I just have to imagine the change that would come on Simon in that moment, and that he would go home, and that he would go to this unnamed mother, and he would say, let me tell you about what I came across today. Let me tell you about what happened to me today. I was just coming in from the country. And these Roman soldiers grabbed me and they, they threw me onto the ground. And they said, hey, help this man, this Nazarene, help this, this so-called king of the Jews carry his cross because he's too broken, he's too weak to do it on his own. I know what had to be going on in his mind. Well, why is this man, do, why is this happening to him? And I, I believe, and I'm, I'm inferring some of this because I don't know for sure, but you know, I have to believe that in the midst of this that he would find out, well, 
he's really innocent. They didn't want to do anything to him. Pilate was just going to let him go, but the people just constantly kept calling out for him to be crucified. Pilate washed his hands up and said, do with him what you will. And so they begin crucifying him. And then in, this, in his mind, he's got to be thinking, why would he do that? Why would he go through this? And then to, to be in this place where he would maybe interact with other people and be able to hear what Jesus had done, what Jesus was doing, and be able to have firsthand experience of the hurt and the, de- and the death of Jesus in this moment. And to go home to Rufus and his wife and say, let me tell you about this Jesus that I experienced today. Church, what we see through the Bible is how God changes families through people, through common people. Simon, he was not there to do this. But I believe through this, he experienced God and began to love Jesus in a way that would change his family. And that through that change, Rufus and Rufus's mother would have an impact on Paul's life. Because, and I think we can truly see this in our life. And then I'm finished. And I know I've said I'm finishing like 10 times. Is that our kids often end up loving the things we love, right? They love the type of music we love. They love the sports teams we love. They like the clothes we wear. I mean, they just end up being like us. They love the things that we love. But where I believe sometimes we fall short as Christians and then we question ourselves later on when our kids begin to make certain choices. And a lot of us, we have a lot of young families, so they haven't started making some of those choices yet. But one day they will. Not only do our kids end up loving the things we love, but maybe even worse sometimes is they end up not loving the things that we don't love. That we don't show that we love Jesus as much as we say we do. That we don't live this out that we don't make this more known, that we don't bring our families into it. I believe that Simon the, of Cyrene came home and expressed this love in a way that would move and motivate his family to be influential in the church of Rome. Because he loved Jesus. And he led his family to love in that way also. You know, I read this week about a pastor in, in the country of Serbia. He was, he was there with the, doing some mission work. And that he was teaching and doing some things and that there were some pastors and their wives that they, they were at the church and they wanted to take this man on the tour of the city. And while they were out, the American pastor, he said, hey, I want to buy you guys some snacks, you know, just to tell you thank you for all you've done for me. And so, so in, in, you know, they're in, they're in Serbia and so he buys them all some snacks. And then as they continue to walk, one of the wives of one of the pastors wants to offer him a piece of her Snickers bar. He said, hey, I, I want to give you some of this. And he says, no, 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 you know, I, I bought this for you. I want you to have this. And then, but she carried on and insisted, no, I, I really, I want to give you a piece of this. I want, I, want to, I want to give this to you. She said, I want you to enjoy this with me. And he said, no, that's okay. I gave, I gave that to you, you enjoy it. So they went back and forth. They continued for several minutes. And he said before, uh, before long, they stopped and he realized that she was upset, that she was crying. And that she said to him with tears in her eyes, she said, in our country, she said, we never enjoy good things alone. She said, I insist that you enjoy this with me. Church, the gospel of Jesus is too good to experience alone. 
The truth of His grace. The truth of His mercy. The truth of His choosing that He does and what He's given to His people and what we have the opportunity to celebrate and lead our families in. Church, I pray, my prayer for us is this, that we would be carriers of His character, that we would know that it's common people that are called to do this and that within this context He's called us into calculations where we step into it offering our hearts, offering our encouragement, having vision, offering our time, and taking active steps in the lives of the people that we influence, for our ladies being motherly or being mothers to those that you've birthed, for us as fathers leading in the way God has called us to, being shepherds with our staff, with our rod, not just for physical discipline, but for lead, guide, and directing. But we would be missional. Carriers of His character, being missional people for God. Church, can we bow our heads this morning and just, just be honest with God and ourselves this morning. God, what does it look like for us to be missional, to be carriers of His character in our lives, in our walk with God, in leading our families. Maybe we'd be honest where we haven't offered our time, offered our heart, offered encouragement, set a vision the way we should. And we, this morning I pray that we would just ask God, God, just, just help me. Help me begin the process of redirection. That, Lord, don't let me be held down by shame if I haven't, but help me be redirected. God, help begin to equip me, show me, and lead me. How can, I be, uh, how can I be the father? How can we be the mothers, the grandmothers, the friends, those just being motherly to those that they have influence? Like, how can we be those people with intentions, with aspirations, with vision for a mission? And, God, let, how can we be those people? God, show us where we can offer more time. Show us where we can offer our heart in more places. Show us where we can offer encouragement. God, show us where we can reestablish vision or begin to set, even taking today, to set a vision for our family to draw near to Jesus, to point to the cross, to point to what He's done. Let us pray those things this morning as we just seek after Him, as we seek after this truth for our life. Church, I'm going to pray over us and then we'll be done this morning. Father God, I just thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. God, I thank you for the hope that we have. God, I thank you that you call common people to participate in extraordinary tasks. God, I pray that we would stop making excuses with our time, with our heart, with our encouragement, with our vision, God, and begin to be calculated in how we navigate those things in our families, even choosing today that even in the imperfections of how that process will look, that I'm going to choose today to set a vision for my family, to pray, to seek God, to worship together, to encourage each other, to be intentional with each other. I pray that we lay down the chains that are holding us back. I pray that we would step out of the prisons of shame that are holding us back. I pray that we would ask forgiveness for the sin that has entangled us and that is tripping us up. Father God, that we would just rest on you. God, rest on your goodness. Rest and put our hope in you and what you've done for us. Father God, I pray your blessings over these people. God, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're going to do here in Cross Point Community Church and in the, the churches around us that are just actively seeking you in a gospel-centered way. Father God, we love you. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.